You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat, where baseball meets Broadway and sports meets show business. I'm your host, Al Malafrante, coming at you from the batter's box uh, with someone who I am super excited to welcome uh, onto the show today. Uh, He pitched 13 major league seasons, primarily for the Oakland A's and New York Mets. And during his tenure, which spanned 2007 to 2019, Uh, Without a doubt, this guy was one of the best left-handed relief pitchers in all of baseball. And now in retirement, I think we're almost at the 12-month anniversary of that, uh, you can actually see him on screen on Baseball Night New York on SNY. And I think that his knowledge of the game is just second to none. He's also got a personality to go along with that. So uh, that makes today even more fun. So with that being said, I ask you all to please turn your attention to home plate. Just be on the marquee. Now batting, Jerry Blevins. Jerry, welcome, my friend. Wow, what an intro, man. That was good. I feel I'm hyped now. <laughs> I feel like I feel like my my name just got called in the bullpen and I'm ready to to jog onto the field and, and get this going. Man, that was nice. Thank you. I appreciate that. My pleasure. How are your hitting skills? Because technically you're the hitter today. I know you, you, know, you <laughs> made a name true. for yourself as a pitcher, but... <laughs> I mean, well, you can see me, but the, the audience might not be able to see me. But I see this bat right here. That has a big league hit in it. I am one for four in my career, 250 career, big league hitter, no big deal. One of the high, obviously, I care so much about it that it, it shines bright because, like you said, I'm a pitcher, um, but there's nothing cooler than getting a hit in the big leagues. Um, I only got four at bats in my 13 year career, so they're few and far between. And to actually come through and get a hit, uh, it's worth it's worth putting on the wall. Hey, man, listen, you know, one for four, 250 batting average, it's like 10 points higher than what the rest of the league is hitting in baseball these days, man. So you, I, don't, I, I know you retired, at, you know, you know, after all those years of pitching, but, you know, maybe they could use more guys like you uh, in the batter's box these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you can hit 250 in the big leagues, you're not going to get much power from from these arms. But uh, I'm going to I'm going to smack the ball around the diamond at least. <laughs> now these days did you stay in new york after you retired uh right now i'm in uh northwest ohio i'm in finley ohio but i go back and forth it's a pretty easy trip 
Um, I do, like you said, I do a lot of stuff with SNY. Um, I work with John Boy Media, who you know as a Yankees fan, does a bunch of Yankees work. But we've started a podcast um, called Shea Station uh, about the Mets. And so I do that. Everything centered in New York. Um, my wife and I love New York. Like, it's a second home for us. My oldest son was born there. Um, I love the city. I love everything about it. And it was nice when I was playing because I could be in New York and the hustle and bustle of the city, and it's wonderful. And then in the offseason, I can come home to Ohio and slow things down. Uh, since retirement, now I'm at home all the time. Now I need some culture and I need some, you know, some chaos and some horns honking. Uh, and so we, we make, uh, you know, I'm, I'm there probably once every six weeks. Um, and once, you know, this lockout in the baseball season ends, I'll probably be there once a month. So, uh, exciting. I love the city. I miss it. it like I said, it's our second home. Now, uh, you know our backdrop is baseball meets Broadway, and you have a you have some ties to the Broadway world. Uh, it was during the 2018 World Series where uh, you and Tony Award winner James Monroe Igahart did a uh, like a little bit of baseball meets Broadway trivia. What do you remember about that? I remember not knowing as much as I thought I did about Broadway because there you know the the mix between musicals and plays like I I enjoy both obviously they're different um but the the different categories like I I'm not well versed enough to to be able to dive into the the subgenres and the different categories and but I'll tell you this as as talented and and as nice of a human being as James is, I know more about Broadway than he does about baseball. So that's <laughs> that's where I fit, or at least at the time. So that guy is a, a wonderful human being. Uh, happy to cross paths with him a couple of times. Have you seen him perform uh, back when he was in Aladdin, or then in Hamilton after that? So I I saw him in Aladdin. Um, just. You know, didn't know who he was, just enjoy it well. Like the genie, Tony Award winning, like the guy's unbelievable. Um, and then I was trying, you know, playing in New York, I was trying to get into see Hamilton forever. And it just wouldn't work out. Our schedules are crazy busy and it never really matches up. And then the prices were insane. It's like right when I could have was when uh, Lynn Manuel said that he was done. And so it was like he announced the end of his run on Broadway as as Hamilton. And so the prices skyrocketed even more. Um, and so we waited and I, I got to see it later on in the season. Actually, James uh, hooked us up with some tickets like through, through a mutual friend. So afterward, I got to go backstage and meet him. Um, and then later on for Broadway.com, we interacted again to do that that podcast crossover. And it's just wonderful, man. He, he's so talented. So good. I've I've watched a bunch of things that he does now. He's done some during the pandemic. They did like the singing, um, did some stuff. I've seen some videos of him and the Aladdin crew, like on a layover or something. They were stuck in a in an airport terminal, you know, waiting on a plane and they're just singing. I'm like, what a dream to be entertained when you're at your most miserable with a, a flight delayed and all of a sudden you have world class you know, singers and actors just doing their thing. It'll have been wonderful, but he's, he's a great guy. It's been fun uh, to interact with him for sure. 
Now, I, I obviously with Hamilton back when you were pitching for the Mets, you talked about Lynn and Leslie Odom Jr. were sold in the show, Christopher Jackson. You'd have to like mortgage your house to like get tickets at that point. Were there other shows that you used to catch while uh, that were a little bit easier to uh, get tickets to? Yeah, man. So I, I'm a huge fan of it, kind of anything that is creative, whether it's music, acting, singing, art, um, the creation of chef like like culinary arts anything i appreciate and the, the my favorite part about new york is you can find the best of everything and part of that is is broadway it's beautiful i got to see uh i took a bunch of my teammates i mean we saw lion king i've probably seen lion king four times i've probably seen um book of mormon three or four times just to like introduce some people that normally wouldn't be a fan of theater or think it's too macho because in the sports world, everything is so bravado. Um, and so I like to, to kind of break those barriers and let guys be entertained. Um, I, I, I've seen a bunch. I can't think there was one play that my wife saw at the theater in the round. Um, it's about this. It was about this girl who grew up in a, a funeral home um gosh i can't think of it it was a it was an exit play i'll i'll look it up you got it was it at circle in the square theater yes 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 and that i remember just being blown away by that it was such a fun environment those are the things that like i enjoyed the most so so those are i've seen a ton um i'll forever be a fan I'll, i'll go all the time i admire it so much it's just it's pure entertainment now you talked about how you grew up in Ohio. Were you the guy in school who, you know, participated in both sports and the arts back when you were in high school or was it always just one track with baseball? Uh, I played, uh, so I went to a small school called Arcadia high school here in Northwest Ohio. Uh, I graduated with 39 kids total in my class. Um, and so I was able to do everything. I was in art. I did pottery. Um, I played football, baseball, and basketball. Uh, and I was in the marching band. So I played the snare drum. I played the bass drum in eighth grade. Um, I did choir. Uh, I didn't do choir. That's the one thing. So the one thing I didn't do and I, I could never do, and I've always had a like a public thing, like a phobia, I guess, is singing in public. Like doing that is my, that's my like kryptonite. I get sweaty thinking about it, singing in front of a group. Um and so I get it. That's that's what I admire about people that are willing to put themselves out there to to do something that they care about so much. Um, it's so it's such a vulnerability. And so I admire that. So I grew up not doing the singing thing, but um, you know I, I did other things in the arts as well. Now uh, you know, growing up where you did, and then uh, obviously I know you got your big league start in Oakland coming over to New York. I know you spent some time in Washington too on that really good 2014 team, but you came over to the Mets right when they started to get good again back in 2015. And they had that great 2016, which you were a huge part of Um, overall, like were you surprised in any way that you had the success that you did on such a big stage under those bright lights and then in turn embrace the city in such a big way? Um, no, I'm not surprised. Like that seems like a cocky thing to say, but it's not. But I I do a lot of so I think my best ability was <clears throat> was my mental strength, my ability to understand who I am as a as a person and as an athlete 
what I can do really well and know what I don't do well and be able to maximize that. And so when those lights are the brightest, you know, I always think of it like this, like when you're a little kid and you're thinking about baseball and you're in your backyard um, and you're, you know, say, this is for me, for example, I'm pitching in my backyard. It's the World Series, game seven, bottom of the ninth, bases are loaded and I'm facing Ken Griffey Jr. And I do that same scenario over and over. So I've done that a million times before I even stepped on the big league stage. And so once the lights are the brightest, those are the moments that I practice the most. Those are the moments to where I'm like, all right, I've done this before. Let's take a deep breath. Know what you have to do. You have to play baseball. And so I was able to kind of block, not even block. I was able to embrace those moments and be at my best um, in those those you know, when the game's on the line, the season's on the line, you know, I felt like I was at my best in those moments. Now, I see that you have a uh, a picture of Babe Ruth behind you. I know the audience can't see this back home, but who, growing up, were you, who were your, who was your team? Did you used to like the Yankees growing up? Were you an Indians fan or I guess <laughs> now the Guardians or the Reds? Who'd you used yeah. to root for? So I actually grew up an Oakland A's fan. Um, my brother, who's old, I have an older brother. He's four years older than me. And in 1990, I was seven, and he was a huge Reds fan, still is a huge Cincinnati Reds fan. And the 90 World Series, they played against the Oakland A's. And my brother was probably, you know, put me in a headlock or something. I was like, get off me. And he's like watching the World Series. And so, you know, to be angry at my brother, I started cheering for the other team. And it just happened to be the green and gold, who's the beautiful uniforms with the guys with the huge, you know, Fu Manchus and beards and long hair. And so I just, I loved what they look like on TV. I loved the bravado that they played with. And ultimately I loved making my older brother angry that I was cheering for the other team. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys still have that sibling rivalry today? Uh, we do a little bit, but mostly all of our stuff aligns. You know, we've, we've grown quite close um, since we're both adults or both parents. Um, my brother's got a big uh, basketball tournament game tomorrow. He has a his son is in seventh grade, uh, and they have a big tournament game. So uh, you know that's what the best part about retirement is. I get to be around for all these things that I've missed throughout all my family. You know, I baseball's a crazy thing. You know, you're gone for you know ten months out of the year basically, and then even when you're home, your schedule is very regimented on working out, eating sleeping, making sure you're getting all the same things. So I neglected my whole family and all their friends for a long time. And now that I'm retired, I get to be around, um, probably annoyingly so to them. But you know, I get to I get to see my nephew's, you know, basketball games, I get to go and watch my niece do tumbling and take my boys to preschool, all that stuff that, that, you know, baseball, you know, being singularly focused on on being the best athlete, you neglect a lot of parts uh, of your life. And so now I've, you know, reshifted my focus. Did you feel like you wanted to separate yourself from the game a little bit though, after you retired, because you've pretty much gone straight into broadcasting. Was there ever like a moment where you thought, hey, you know, maybe I need a little bit of a break from this or you just kind of love the game too much? Um, a little bit of both. So it's been great. Like you said, I'm in Ohio right now and I can do a lot of like, so I'm on BNNY um, on SNY. And I do it from here. I do it from my basement. And so I could stay attached to the game. Um, that's one of the blessings that, you know, this pandemic has done is it opened up a lot of employers' eyes to working remotely. You know, it's obviously I would trade it back and not go through this. 
you know, for a, a billion reasons. But it's allowed me to be still involved with the game, still doing something I love and being able to talk about it. But I also get to stay at home. You know, normally I would have to be living in New York to to be on SNY or to go to the MLB network, you know, in, in Secaucus, I'd have to be there. But I can do things remotely. Uh, so I did take a break. I did take a big, deep breath and just kind of relax. But I'll forever watch baseball whether I'm, you know, doing a podcast or doing TV about it, I'm I'm a fan first. I've always been a fan of baseball, even before I was a player, well long after I'm a player. I just love the game. I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, and I'll watch it forever. You know, you came up in 2007. I was in high school back then. So that was still that was still the game that I grew up with in the late 90s, the game that you grew up with, you know, in the mid 90s, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um the you came up at a particularly interesting time because you started with that you know the old school way of playing and then by the time you retired it became this analytics driven you know just a complete no i don't want to say shell of itself because it's still it's still a beautiful game right there's Mm -hmm. it's it's still baseball but the game changed so much throughout the course of your career do you feel like you had to make a lot of adjustments, you know, to the way you went about your business, you know, on the mound just because of how much it changed? Uh, definitely. I think, you know, baseball cyclical. It's your, it's, you know, it's somebody finds a, a way to be successful, everybody copies it, and then the next wave comes. And so it's constantly evolving and changing from from era to era. I just happened to be at the back end of one and the beginning of another. Like you said, it was truly fascinating. You know, if one of the great things about today's era of analytics, and I'm not sure if you're talking specifically about how they coach it or approach to the game, um, but for me as a pitcher, the high-speed cameras, the the ability to see the rotation out of my hand in super slow-mo, um, to know how many rotations my baseball is like if I like my curveball, that's what I did. I, I threw a big looping curveball. I can harness that pitch from pitch to pitch. It, it became less philosophical with this analytics and high speed camera technology. I'm able to see mid bullpen what it looks like, what the spin axis was, all these, you know, all these numbers, all this data is at the my fingertips literally right after I throw it. It takes three seconds and it pops up on an iPad that a coach is holding and you can say, okay, that was a good one. Whereas when I first started, it's all about feel. You know, it's more philosophical, like, oh, that felt like a good one. What do you think? And the catcher's like, yeah, that was a good one. But you don't really know. Um, And so you're able to advance your skills a lot faster now and analyze. Um, But the difference is, I think what made me better than I'm supposed to be like that. The one thing about analytics is they give everybody a number. You're supposed to do this, right there. You're here. Well, I always over, I overreached. I always did more than I was expected to do. And that's the difference in today's game. A lot of the, the, the players today only know how to do their great stuff. They don't know how to read a a hitter mid swing to see if he's ahead or behind or to know where to throw a certain pitch, or to read those little nuances. And so I think the game is shifting back towards that a little bit. We saw, you know, all 
all about feel and, and looks. Now we're all about analytics and the numbers. And I think we're starting to realize there's a happy medium. Analytics is obviously never going away and it shouldn't because there's so much good about it. But people are starting to understand that baseball's been around for 100 plus years. There's a reason why some people are good and some people are bad. Just because you can't put it down in a number and you can't analyze it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And that's where we are now. We're seeing a lot more psychological, you know, mental skills coaches are a part of the team now. Um, people are starting to appreciate guys that succeed in a different way. And so I think it's an exciting point of baseball. There's a lot, there's a lot going on now um, that I'm excited to see. There's so many young superstars that, that are coming that are, are super, super talented that I'm excited to watch play. Now you talk about finding that happy medium. I was pretty happy to see that uh, that Buck Showalter is going to be at the helm of the Mets this season. What did you think of that move? I think it's a wonderful hire. I think it's really smart. Buck Showalter is a baseball lifer, man. That guy has so much knowledge of the game. Uh, and he's learned. That's the, You don't get better without understanding your faults in this game. And you don't stick around for as long as Buck Showalter has been around the game without understanding that there's some things that you didn't do well in the past. You you take in all the information that you can, and there's so much available to him, but he knows baseball. And I think that's what we've been missing the last few years in Queens. We've been hiring first-time managers a lot. Um and we've had huge expectations from a roster standpoint, World Series aspirations every year. Um, and now we have a guy that's that's tried and true, a guy that knows about the game, knows how to manage people. And he's surrounded himself with some really analytically driven, smart people. And I think that combination of both, along with such a talented roster, um, it's it's an exciting time to be a Mets fan, that's for sure. Dude, I never thought I would see the day where the Mets legitimately have a chance to take the town. Because even in 2015, when you guys won the pennant, yeah, you guys had the town, and this city was electric. And I and I was rooting for the Mets, of course. I was at I was at McFadden's over on Forty uh, Second, yeah, right by Grand Central. I think it was Forty Second Street, and going nuts with, in Game Three when Curtis Granderson hit the home run and oh, Thor man. with the sixty feet six inches, all that stuff. It was um, it was electric, but. You know, nonetheless, though, there was, you know, it, it was 2017 when the Yankees, you know, had all the baby bombers and the, it seems like they, they kind of took the town back quickly. Now with this with this new ownership, with Steve Cohen, it's the and just look at all the moves that they've made this offseason. I mean, do you see it as maybe being a Met town sooner than we think? I think absolutely. It's definitely an uphill battle. The Yankees are, in my opinion, the the best franchise, the best sports franchise in the world. And, you know, I'm biased because I'm American, and so I think baseball is great. Um, there's some argument for some soccer teams that that you could put out there, but for me, it's hard to beat the Yankees. That that Their logo is world-renowned. It's one of the most famous pieces of like, iconic you know, figures. You see it everywhere. Uh, and they're good every year. They, they, you know, they'll have a lull here, especially since I've been playing. You know, since the Jeter years, there's a year maybe that you take off or two max, and then they're back in the playoffs. Like you said, in '15, we shocked the world and went to the World Series and could have won, but we didn't. The next year, we had a, we made the playoffs with the Mets, and we were a good team, and we were, you know, we climbed that ranks. I think there was even a poll done that the Mets fans kind of overtook, and then going into '17. 
everybody was all about the Mets and the Yankees were, you know, young and unproven. And we faltered and had a terrible season. And the Yankees, like you said, have the baby bombers, you know, the emergence of Aaron Judge. Like it was, we had our window, it had our chance, and the Yankees do what they did. And they punched us right back in the face and took over the city. But I do think that this is a this could be a turning point. We have a great roster in Queens. There's uh, some the Yankees are being very un-Yankees like and haven't made any moves. You know, obviously with a the lockout, they're not allowed, but they they have some glaring needs at shortstop. They have some issues that they need to cover, and they haven't done it yet. Um, so they're leaving the window open for the Mets to to own the city. And man, when walking around that city and seeing all those Mets hats while I'm playing for New York, like playing for the Mets was really special. There's just a buzz in the town. Like it, it's fun, man. I love New York. And that's one of the things where there's like pride and I'm a Mets fan. You know, I'm a Yankees fan. You could see that rivalry every time when we do the Subway Series every year. Like it's just so much fun to be in the city during those those times. Now, who was like the coolest? Did you ever get to like meet someone like a Jerry Seinfeld? Let's say some of those big celebrity Met fans that would uh, come by City Field. I yeah, I got to meet some really cool. Like again, in New York, everybody wants to come and promote something at, at City Field. It's super fun. I got to meet a bunch of athletes um, like Neymar, um, Serena, Manny Pacquiao. Um, but there's some huge Mets fans that that I got to meet. I got to meet Chris Rock. Jerry Seinfeld, Amy Schumer, Larry David, um, Kevin James came out and hit BP with us promoting a movie, like got to stretch with the pictures. So cool, man. Uh, and on top of it, Broadway makes a bunch of like, they, they do the national anthem all the time and it's beautiful. Um, that's one of my favorite things. Like I'll get chills standing at, you know, standing on the line, listening to a, an amazing rendition it's what like I'll, I'll it's a little sidetrack here but like traveling around the country you know you go to LA you get these big you know pop star or you know these big singer types and they sing and it's really amazing and well done and there's a lot of runs and it's beautiful and then you come to New York and it's like a broadway centric performance and it's very you can you hear the words it's about the song and the lyrics are are enunciated just a little bit better and it's just a different version. And I just loved being a part of that New York version. I appreciate the LA version, but for me, the Broadway side of singing is about the performance a little bit more than it's about the performer. So I, I always love that. Now, would that pump you up when you were going to go, uh, you know, warm up in the bullpen or, you know, to get ready for uh, game time? Absolutely. It, it, it's almost like counterproductive for me because I don't, do my job like I would come in later in the game you know the sixth seventh eighth ninth inning and I get too excited at the beginning before first pitch is thrown and so I'd have to go back down luckily when I was a little bit older I had a whole routine where I would go back in get in the hot tub get stretched out all the above before I would head out to the bullpen but yeah definitely like in the world series you're standing there and there's just like an amazing performance you can feel the energy at city field or the crowd and you can just it gets you super pumped uh, and then you have to, like, again, it falls back to experience or your mental strength to be able to sell, settle yourself down in the moment and not expend all that adrenaline and in energy, you know, before you have to perform. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Now, what was your favorite moment on the mound as a Met? As a Met? Oh, like a single moment? Um, There's a bunch. Um... Like a there tough a, hitter you got yeah, out or so, like something like so that. So like every time, look, having played for the, the Washington Nationals in 14 um, and then getting traded from the Nationals to the Mets, you know, right before the season started, I always had a little bit of um, a rivalry because it's rare to get traded inner division. And so I took it, uh, you know, you you do whatever you can to motivate yourself whatever you need we, we call it bull, uh, billboard material or bulletin material you know like michael jordan famously in um in the last dance made stuff up that he would be like yeah this guy he would write it down that guy never said that but michael jordan would make it and so for me i used the motivation that the nationals traded me to inner division was basically uh, like we don't think you're any good so we'll face you you know 30 times a year. And so I use that. And so every time I face the nationals, I always took pride in, you know, succeeding and they had Bryce Harper for a long time. And so those are the moments that, you know, I still love the nationals. They were really good to me. And I appreciated that my year there, I had a great time living in DC, um, but I used it. And, and those are the moments like where the game's on the line, you know, Bryce Harper, Freddie Freeman, Christian Yelich, these big left-handed hitters are there. And it's, it's pass fail for me. I can't just be like, oh, that was pretty good. I either continue for us to 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 possibly win the game or I lose the game for us. And so those are there isn't a particular singular moment. At least I haven't dove back yet into my career. It's still, you know, like you said, coming up on a year. Um I'm not a big fan of like looking at my career yet. Like it just it still feels a little too fresh for me to kind of be nostalgic. Um I'm sure there'll be a moment, but just just wearing the pinstripes. And it's such a blessing to have, you know, I'm a, I'm a kid from small town Ohio. To be able to play Major League Baseball is crazy enough. And to be able to do it in the greatest city in the world in New York, like I, I literally never took it for granted. It, it was a wonderful thing. I get goosebumps right now thinking about it. Just the the odds of it happening. I always enjoyed it. I love everything about it. Um, and so just being there and being in it, it was like a one big moment for me. So is that what you would, if you look, I know you haven't really looked back on it, but if like you had to pinpoint something that you're most proud of from your major league career, is it like your origins and where you ended up getting to, or is there something else that like really shines a little bit brighter than anything? 
Yeah. So there's, there's a couple of things there. That's, that's a pretty deep question if you want to get there. And I tend to do that. Um, I won't go too deep. One of it is just being very theatrical here on break of that, you know, (laughs) you know, that's one of the things like, like I, I love getting into that, but one of it is just being a good teammate, um, and being a good friend and a, a good employee. Um, I think every team that I was a part of, from front office to stadium workers to security to my teammates would all appreciate me. I would think, you know, I, I heard a lot of positive things when I retired, and that was really very nice for me. Um, the other part is I, I, I always talk about my two best abilities in baseball were availability which means I was ready to go every day. And as a relief pitcher, you have to, you know, we have 162 games in 180 days. That is a marathon of a season. And I was ready to go every day to pitch. I made sure that I was, whatever I did at during my nightlife, whatever I did during the day was geared towards me being available that day. So my two best abilities, one availability, the other one was reliability. And when my manager called me to come into the game, they knew what they were going to get because I was going to be at my best. I'm not the best. You know, I'm not a Roldis Chapman. I'm not Mariano Rivera. Uh, I'm not that talented, but I'm going to give you my best every day and it's going to be pretty good. And if you put me in a situation uh, to succeed, I'm going to come out on top most of those times. And and so uh, I think my reliability and my availability and just being a, you know, try to be a good person every day. It's hard because you're around so many people so much more than your own family. So if you're a jerk, you better be really, really good at your job. And so I always tried to to come to the ballpark with a smile on my face and be ready to go. Now, when you had to pitch a third or sometimes a fourth day in a row, how much of a grind is that? <laughs> That's a true grind. You know, those are those are the when you're not feeling at your best. So like as a relief pitcher or as a pitcher in general, there's like three days during the whole season where you feel a hundred percent and that's easy to pitch on those days. It's the days where you're at 85%. Those are the days where your mental strength, your mental ability to be able to get into your mechanics and make you get the best out of your, your body every day in those situations. That's what separates a guy like me who's not the most talented. I don't throw a hundred. That's what separates me from being like a veteran, a reliable person, because I'm going to, no matter what I'm feeling, you're going to get the same results from me. And that's what separated me. And so the the third, fourth, fifth day in a row, those are the hard ones. But again, those are the ones I prided myself in the most on being able to have some success in those moments. You know, it's very similar to a Broadway schedule in some ways. You know, you're doing eight or sometimes even nine shows during the course of seven days. I just think that the the mindset that you have really lends itself well to the stage or the stadium. So it's refreshing to hear stuff like that. Yeah, I couldn't like I always think about, you know, the the two shows in a night or the back to back because I appreciate it. Those moments where. I'm going to get the best because, you know, I went to hell. I got to see it twice. I went and both times were amazing and not everybody gets to go, but the, the people on stage, the actors and singers 
understand that the people in the audience, most likely this is their only time that they're going to see it and they're giving it their best every time. I'll forever be appreciative because I know on a day night doubleheader that it's a grind. It is a grind. And to be able to like, all right, you know, I've got a little bit of a cold. Uh, I got to drink this tea, whatever it is that you need to do to get into that moment and then do it on stage. And nobody knows anything that's going on all about your your backstage drama. It all goes away and you do your performance on the stage. Like I, I appreciate that on a, on a level that, you know, I try to, to make it known. I'm loud. I clap. I'm enthusiastic. But but to be successful on Broadway, in the that's the big leagues, man. That's the big leagues of your profession. And to be successful for any any period of time, let alone sustainability, like that, I, I'll forever tip my cap to people that, that A, try it, and B, do it. It's wonderful. Well, I'm grateful that, uh, you know, the industry is starting to bounce back a little bit as far as ticket sales and everything, which is good because I am kind of afraid that we may end up missing some baseball games this year or that the season might be delayed. Give me your honest opinion. Is baseball as a sport in big trouble with the fans if this lockout carries it, you know, deep into March to the point where they, you know, have to shorten the 162 game schedule? Um, I, I do it. If it goes deep into the schedule, they're going to be in trouble. But ultimately I think people understand a little bit more from the player's perspective in today's world. I think people are a little bit more understanding from a labor standpoint, some of the issues because they're, they're, they're more informed today. There's a lot more information out there. It's sad to me that we're even at this point. But you could see the writing was on the wall with a lot of things the way they were going. I will, I was a big member of our union, uh, the Players Association. I fought for a lot. We have a great union. It's one of my favorite parts about being able to play baseball is that brotherhood that we had. Um, there's some major issues at hand. And, and Manfred, you know, we're, we're recording at 1038 today on Thursday the 10th. Uh, Manfred's supposed to come out and and have a, a conference today, and I hope it's positive, but I think he's going to delay spring training. I feel like that's what he's going to say, and he's going to blame the players. But it's, you know, the players aren't innocent in any sense of the, in the word, but I think people understand that there's a lot more coming on from one side to the other to make, to meet in the middle. And so I hope we don't ever see any delay in anything because the fans deserve the game. But at least I think they're a little bit more understanding of of the players' wants and needs. Like my biggest fear is that we have what happened in 1994, 1995 with the last big strike. And there's, st- there's still people to this day that aren't watching baseball because of it. And, and it, you know, since then, football and basketball – has trumped baseball in popularity, even though, ba- listen, baseball far and away, my favorite sport. It's, you know what, it's part of the fabric of who I am as a person and certainly the same for you too. But it's just like, I just really wonder if, you know, in this day and age with all the social media and all the noise and different opinions coming from all different avenues, if, if baseball is going to survive, um, you know, something detrimental like this. That, you know, and again, 
I, I feel the same way about baseball and I know football and basketball, definitely football though, is like above baseball as far as in the, in the thoughts of Americans. And that's another point where I'm kind of like sad in anticipation of if something happens, because I feel like today's superstars, the young, the Ronnie Acuna's, the, the Lindor's, the um, Fernando Tatis juniors, the Juan Soto's of the world, are so exciting and baseball's finally MLB side is finally starting to promote its players or at least start to promote their superstar players a little bit more. And I think baseball can, can take a big bite back of America. But if you do what you're doing, if you continue down this path, you're slapping the people in the face that have been there. You're also like people that were on the verge of coming back because it's entertaining right now. The bat flips, you know, we, we talked about era. When I came up, if you flipped your bat, you know, you're going to wear a fastball. But I, I don't like that. I would never flip a bat, but I don't mind that you're doing it. You just did, you just hit a big league home run. Like, that's the coolest thing in the world. It's the hardest thing to do in all of sports. Celebrate it, man. If you did it off me, next time I'm going to make sure that you don't do that. That's my fault. But you just did a wonderful thing. It has nothing to do with me. But a lot of people love that. They love the big look at me moments. That's kind of how we are today in today's game. Whether you like it or not, the youth of today love it. They love it, all of it. And so I think we're at a point where the game is starting to could be another generation of baseball players where the game grows. And so uh, that's that's why I'm also like a, another layer of like, solitude and sadness if we don't push through and get this thing the cba reconciled now uh just to touch on something you said did you ever throw at someone on purpose um, for showing you up? i plead i plead no not for showing me up never for anything like that like uh if you so here's how i went about my business if i beat you I'm not going to do anything fast, uh, crazy. I'll, I'll fist pump in the playoffs just because of the moment or I'll yell because it's, it's the, the moment. But if you hit a home run off me, good for you, man. I messed up or you beat me. It's part of the game. I'm never going to hit somebody for doing their job. Like, I think that's, I think that's a bunch of, you know, I don't know if we can cuss, but I think that's bullshit. And you're being, you're being ridiculous if you can't, understand that that's amazing what he just did and so i never took anything personal if you showed me up for something stupid i'm gonna remember it and i'm gonna beat you at the plate in better ways i'm gonna strike you out and make you look silly and tell you to go sit back down in your dugout but that's part of the game so if you beat me then i'll tip my cap you beat me whatever but i never took anything personal i never hit anybody on purpose for showing me up or anything like that Jerry, you're a class act. And, uh, you know, listen, I talked about you taking the mindset of a hitter today. I know you only had four ABs in your career, but uh, I want, we do a little segment here on uh, Break of Bad. It's kind of like a celebration of baseball and Broadway and a chance for the audience to get to know a little bit about you. You mentioned Araldus Chapman before. He has a uh, special place in the hearts of many audience members for us because he's so theatrical. He fits the theme of our show well. So you're back in the batter's box. Chapman's on the mound. I'm Chapman without any neck tattoos and any actual ability to throw 105 <laughs> miles an hour. But you got to think quick. I'm going to ask you a question. You tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. And since you're such a great storyteller, if you want to throw some of those in there, how does that sound? That sounds good, man. Fire away. Bring me that Chapman fastball. Uh, <laughs> fatter up. Favorite New York City meal? 
Oh, gosh. Uh, a slice of pizza. So there's three things in New York that I have to eat when I'm there. It's a bagel, a slice of pizza, and a slice of cheesecake. So like those are the those are the three staples that I got to get. But New York has so many good restaurants. I, I, I mean, if I have to say the best of, that's I'm going to go with the pizza. Broadway show tune that you last played on uh, Spotify. Uh, the Hamilton soundtrack. Like I, I, it's, it runs, it's runs laps in my brain for free. And I play it for my kids. I've had a three and a half year old and a two year old. They know a little bit of the soundtrack, but I, I love it. Uh, it's, it's awesome soundtrack. Room where it happens, man, is my number one. Uh, well, I mean, maybe what, maybe song on the planet, yet alone show. Tune. I mean, what a beautifully written, performed song, Leslie Odom, unreal. But I'm I'm more uh, <laughs> uh, King George's make me laugh every time. Like uh, the 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 theatrical performance, I can be in the moment and just think of how hilarious it is. Um, the the rap battles, like the it's 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 beautiful there's so many different forms of entertainment in that and i I just appreciate it all excluding hamilton you could be the lead in one broadway musical what would it be oh my gosh a musical that's uh that's crazy that's scary to think about um (laughs) i think it would be the lion king because i could hide behind you know some some form of animal puppet (laughs) and i would like pretend that i'm in you know in the car or in the shower and sing my heart out that way because if i had to look out at that audience and try to sing i don't know if i could do it (laughs) (laughs) i know they wouldn't want me to do it that's for sure (laughs) hey well you know what maybe you should uh you know get you know give yourself a chance in like rock of ages or something they have a pension for bringing on act active or sometimes <laughs> they bring on um different uh ball players to participate in the show I, they did it with tax i appreciate and that i saw that there, so a part of like rookie hazing is is like singing on the bus in front of your teammates it's literally like uh it's one of those things where like i would dread it and I, you have to go up there and, and do it in front of everybody. But it's a rite of passage. Um, but knowing that everybody's gone through it is a different. But getting in front of people that have paid to come see me, uh, frightening. <laughs> <laughs> now, I hope you don't plead the fifth on this one because we ask every guest from every walk of life to answer this question. We usually get some pretty honest answers. So I'm curious to hear from you. Are you team Derek Jeter or team Alex Rodriguez? Jeter all the way, man. Not even close. Do you want me to dive in? I don't want to, but I, I will. I just appreciate Jeter's. So Jeter's a superstar that could have done the bat flips and the the taunting and been a bigger star, but he just went about his business. You know, he's a Midwest guy. He's from Michigan, just north of where I'm at. I, I just, I love his approach. Um, the way he handled his his day to day, man. I'm Team Jeter all the way. And I don't think A Rod's helping himself much with this social media behavior. Have you seen it? I mean, uh, no. I try not to see it. We'll just we'll just say <laughs> it. we'll just leave it at that. I try not to see it. A <laughs> uh, fact about Jerry Blevins that would surprise people the most. Ah, uh, fact. Um, the only time, so during my my 13 year, I don't know, that's a weird one. I was going to say the only time I've been on the DL or the IL now, the injured list, uh, was when I 
got hit by a line drive and I've got the metal hardware in my arm from that 15 season. I've got a plate and screws, but during my 13 year career, the only time I was on the, the injured list was from a broken arm. So we talked about availability. That's part of the pride of, of my career. Wow. But Is that's that something not that you a fun saw? fact. <laughs> a fun that's fact. That's not a fun, like a hidden, a hidden <laughs> fact. Like I'm like, I don't, they don't care about baseball. What? I guess the marching band, I revealed it earlier that I could play the drums. Yeah. That might be a thing that I marched. You know, I was in eighth grade. So Arcadia is a small school. K through 12 and like three connected buildings. So in eighth grade, if you're in the band, you get to march in the high school marching band to just fill out the numbers. So I was about like, I was a late bloomer. I'm six, six now, but I was tiny. Uh, I was five, probably five, five as an eighth grader. And I've got this big bass drum and I'm just like carrying it around all the time, like banging on this bass drum. And so it's, I, I wore the bass drum in eighth grade and then I got to, to play the snare later but my mom my mom's biggest what she misses the most out of my entire like career is seeing me in the marching band she had the most pride for me doing that because she knew it was just something that i loved um that wasn't looked upon as being cool and she was just proud of me for doing what i think is cool um and pursuing things that i appreciate and so uh shout out to mr jeff bradigam Mr. B, who is my band teacher, who's retired as well. Uh, one of the biggest influences in, in my life, uh, a great human being, um, showed me that you can do whatever you want and be proud of it. I, fr I freaking love stories like that, man. And I've talked about it on the show before for us. One of my, it's it, the school you went to, it may have been small, but it sounds like the opportunities were just amazing. Because for us, what was cool is, yeah, we got to do choir and sports simultaneously but at least for me being a baseball player you had to choose between theater and baseball and uh not that not that i have any regrets for choosing baseball but it's uh i wish that we had the option to to do both because i mean it's uh both are as you know two of my greatest passions and it's so cool to connect with someone who also has that appreciation for the arts and you know and the fact that you actually got to um, play to both passions in school. It's just, that's great. I can tell it's definitely shaped you quite a bit. Uh, it, it, you know, I, that makes me sad a little bit that you had to choose at such a young age and you couldn't just do it. It happens more and more in today, even in with inner sports. Like I watch my nephew who's 12. He's a great baseball player. He's just a really good athlete. Like my brother was 10 times the athlete I was. Yeah. He's a great baseball player and even better football player and a really, really good basketball player. And there's so much pressure for him to decide which one he wants to be at 12 years old and do that year round. There's a lot of pressure from the teams that he participates on to say, well, you know, you got to come to offseason practice, all that. And to to have to decide between at such a young age where you want to go, that's not fair. You should be able to do everything. Like New York, I can't even imagine being a kid in New York and the competition level. Like it's the best of the best. The cream of the crop is there. And if you want to play baseball, you better be damn good at a young age to, to be on a team uh, because there's just so much talent and just numbers that you can't do what you want to do because you're, yeah, it's, it's crazy to me. So I'm super grateful for, for where I grew up and how I grew up. That's for sure. Toughest hitter you ever faced? So 
that's a, there's two, there's two clear answers for me. Number one is Ichiro. Um, he was at his height of his powers when I was first coming up. He was in Seattle still. Uh, unbelievable skill. He, uh, even when I would like get him out, like get him to roll over to second base, he would still beat it out. Like he would beat out that leg out a single. Like he would do it on purpose. He'd hit it slow enough. Just a beautiful player. Like his his skill set, like I can't really translate it to to Broadway because I don't I'm not well versed enough in Broadway or you know theater in general. But he's he chose a way of doing things that's so different than everybody else. Like he had the ability to hit 40 home runs in a season if he wanted to. But he appreciated the way of the game of him putting the ball in contact, having a high batting average, and and wreaking havoc on the bases. He chose that. It's unbelievable to me that he is that skilled and be like, I could do this, which is, you know, chicks dig the long ball. Like he came up 01 was his first year. That's the height of, you know, just coming off of, of Sosa and McGuire in 98. Everybody's talking about the home runs. It's cool to hit home runs. And here he is like literally slapping the ball over shortstop um, on purpose, like just a little single, unreal. Uh, then the other one is a more modern player, and that's Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman, Atlanta Brave, maybe a New York Yankee. If the Braves don't sign him, they're crazy. You know, if uh, if I would give everything if I were in New York to get that player because he would be – this face of the franchise because that's what he is to Atlanta and he fits the mold. Anyway, Freddie Freeman is an amazing left-handed hitter. He's a little bit of a hybrid of Ichiro. So all the, the hitters that I had the most success are with are the guys that tried to hit home runs with every swing because I knew if I executed what I'm trying to do and they're not going to hit a home run. It's the guys like Ichiro that just contact the ball, that hit it where it's pitched. Those are the guys that give me the hardest time and Ichiro was the best at that. Freddie Freeman is a hybrid of both of those guys. So he's a hybrid of, he has ridiculous power, but he has such bat-to-ball skills that he can do, hit it the other way. And his swing is so unorthodox that one of my abilities, one of my, you know, my, my, one of the best things I could do is like read and mid-at-bat, mid-pitch, pitch-to-pitch, that guy's out in front. He's looking for this. I'm able to, 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 to mix it up and play chess. With Freddie, he's playing backgammon, and I'm trying to play checkers over here, and I can't get a read off of him because his swing is so strange, and he swings at everything. And so he, he had the best of me, I think. It's, so it's Ichiro and Freddie Freeman are the two biggest for me. Now, how about a guy you owned? <laughs> so uh, it's it pains me to to point people out but now I look back and it's been brought up uh, a few times so there's two guys that stick out to me number one is Nick Markakis who is a great player played for a long time uh, an amazing human being I shared the locker room with him in Atlanta in 19 I had I faced him the most and I did really well against him um, the other one that was the biggest when I was in Oakland was when Josh Hamilton was a uh, Texas Ranger and then a, a LA Angel or you know Anaheim, whatever you want to say, but he was with the Angels, so I played him all the time. Uh, I owned him as well. Like he got one hit off me and it was a little bloop, you know, single. Uh, outside of that, like I dominated him and it was fun. And he's at a, 
He's a way better baseball player than I ever was, clearly. Um, but when our, our little one-on-one battles, I, I got the best of him. And so uh, those are my, I guess, the, the two that I would choose. So pretty good names, both all-stars. So that's, uh, and, and Josh Hamilton, obviously, uh, yeah, had MVP quite the guy there. Yeah, that's right. Batting title, a whole nine yards. Yeah. Now, uh, this is our last fastball of the game, Jerry. Uh, you are obviously a wealth of knowledge and you've got a great head in your shoulders. So what's the best piece of advice anyone's ever given you? <laughs> that's a good one. So, um, this is it's translated to the advice that I give to most people, and it, it's I've tried a mil- million different ways to kind of say it. But the smartest people that I know ask the most questions, and the single the single thing that they that I've learned from everybody that is way smarter than me is that they know what they don't know. So, and they're not too proud to ask questions to figure out that information. Whereas most people are afraid to look silly or dumb. The people that I admire the most, the smartest people in the world, ask the most questions because they are aware of the things that they don't know. So it's the so the biggest piece of advice, I guess, to sum it down would be to know what you don't know and be willing to a, admit it, and B, figure out the answer to those things. There's no pride that needs to get into your way of figuring things out. That's awesome stuff, my man. And uh, dude, this was just such a great chat. I, I so appreciate you coming on. Hopefully, uh, maybe next time you come to Broadway, let us know. We'll have you back on. And uh, I, I can oh, honestly do would, it like a whole another episode with you, man. This would be great. my pleasure, man. I enjoyed it. Uh, I love I mean, I love what you guys do, man. I'll forever be grateful. And, you know, from the simple standpoint of just admiring and respecting the what it takes to put yourself out there to try to chase your dream down. I know how many, how easy it would be to give up or to, to it's, uh, it's a, it's a difficult life to try to pursue a dream and to really give it your all. It's a vulnerable thing. Uh, it's a sacrifice thing. And so I'll forever be grateful for people that they give it a chance and for people that are talented enough and lucky enough to, to be able to do it. I love it. It's it's wonderful. So um, I'm happy to have this little crossover. And Break a Bat is a genius name because it's you know clearly you know a, a play on both sides of it. I love it. That's that's wonderful. A wonderful job there. Thanks, my man. I appreciate it. Did you and, come uh, up with that? I actually, you know, it's funny. My original co-host Scotty Katzman came up with that. Is a play on Brilliant. break a leg, obviously. And yeah, yeah. here we here we are. Uh oh, wow, 120 episodes later. I think you're episode right. number 120. Yeah. So how about cool. that? <laughs> so I did like once, you know, I don't I don't want to die back, but I was listening through once you asked me to to be on it. I was like, oh, let me take a look at this. You got a, a wide range of of ball players and actors and 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 you know all sorts across the gamut. And it was really fun to kind of dive into your, to your show. So, so bravo on, on being able to put this together. It's really cool. Well, we thank you, but you know, Hey, listen, now we have an awesome left-handed relief pitcher <laughs> on our team. And I think the roster I'll, just got a whole lot better. I, I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Al. Well, thanks, Jerry. And uh, thanks to everyone in the audience who joined us today on Break a Bat. This was such a great chat. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. This is Al Malafrante signing off from the Batters Box. We'll see you next time. 
Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.